On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday, and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion, and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling, and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Well, we have some breaking news for you out of Los Angeles this morning. Britney Spears has been rushed to the hospital. According to our affiliate station... We're back to the week we told you about at the very beginning of the podcast. The week that Britney's parents, Lynn and Jamie, faced off with Sam Lutfi in Britney's home. The week Britney ended up in the hospital. In the hospital tonight, she was rushed by ambulance from her home early this morning. Family members have been spotted going in out of the psychiatric unit, but they say the 26-year-old is doing fine. This is the second time in a month that Britney Spears has been hospitalized for mental health issues. This is the week that would change Britney's life forever. On January 31st, 2008, the police showed up at Britney's home at the Summit, that gated community in the Hollywood Hills. They were there to take Britney to the hospital on an involuntary psychiatric hold, also called a 5150. When the police burst through Britney's door, they found Britney, her mom Lynn, and Sam Lutfi inside. According to her book, Lynn had arrived only moments before, screaming for Britney to get out because the cops were coming. That was a very deeply um, poignant and tragic scene to me. And it was almost like the culmination of, you know, the way that we've treated Brittany um, as a culture. It sort of all came to this terrible moment. This is Laura Lee Craker, a writer and editor who co-authored Lynn Spears' memoir, Through the Storm. We wanted to talk to Laura Lee because she and Lynn co-wrote Through the Storm at the height of all this drama. What I remember is just the, you know, the real despair of um, that scene. It was so tender, right? Um, you know, Brittany is being strapped into a gurney and, and she's, she's calling for her mama. And it was so heartbreaking, you know, knowing how much Lynn loves Brittany. The world watched as the news unfolded on television. But there was even more going on behind the scenes. A tug of war between Britney's parents and Sam Lutfi. It had been escalating for months. And when Britney entered the hospital, it was like Lynn and Jamie Spears gave one last heave and pulled the rope to their side once and for all. They were so desperate to... Um, help their daughter, rescue their daughter. To me, it was very much a rescue operation. 
a rescue operation from the man they viewed as dangerous to their daughter. Manipulative. A bad influence. Sam Lutfi. In her book, Lynn writes that this hospitalization would create the end they needed to get Brittany away from Lutfi. You know, every good story has a villain. And um, in our book, Sam was the villain. And also, I mean, he wasn't the only villain. But uh, he was a big villain. It's almost like an action movie, you know what I mean? Like, finally, this guy was vanquished. It is like an action movie, complete with fight scenes. The situation got so tense over the course of this week that Jamie ended up punching Lutfi. But, as with any good action movie, there are also a couple plot holes. One of them being that Lynn makes it clear she believes Lutfi is the one who called the cops and got Brittany into the psychiatric hold, that he set her up. But Lutfi has claimed in court docs that it was Brittany's psychiatrist who made the call. So, there's two conflicting accounts of what went down that night. But one thing is certain. This 5150 hold put Brittany in a very vulnerable place. It left her literally restrained and subject to the will of her dad, Jamie. Brittany entered the 5150 hold early Thursday morning. By that Monday, her conservatorship would be cemented. We have a lot of questions about the validity of this conservatorship and how it was implemented. In order to piece this story together, we've looked a lot of places for answers. In addition to Lynn's book, we've analyzed legal documents, news reports, and the probate code itself. We've talked with doctors, lawyers, and first-hand witnesses. In this episode of Toxic, we're going to walk through what happened over that long weekend when Britney's conservatorship started, and what we think went wrong. This is paparazzi footage from X-17, shot just hours before the police showed up at the summit for Brittany. It's nighttime, outside Brittany's gate. Please go away. Out. Everyone get out. 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 Hey. Out. 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 I'm so fine. Brittany wears a plaid fedora and gray coat and hugs her small Yorkie dog close to her chest. She walks through the security entrance and plops down on the curb. Why are you crying? I'm sitting for once and having a nice time with my dog. It's hectic, but not because of anything Brittany is doing. Nothing about this scene screams emergency. That didn't stop the Los Angeles Police Department from showing up to the summit shortly after this. And they had a plan. The LAPD spent two days strategizing on how to involuntarily commit Brittany before they arrived at her door. They mapped out a route to transport Brittany to UCLA Medical. They barricaded roads so the ambulance wouldn't be followed by paparazzi. They even had a code name for Brittany. The Package. This is where it first starts to become clear that something unusual is happening. An involuntary psychiatric hold, a 5150, is not generally planned ahead of time. But Brittany's clearly was. I've never heard of a 5150 being prearranged. 
it's, it's supposed to be a very spontaneous, drastic measure that you take to involuntarily hospitalize them because if you don't, a life is at stake. This is Lisa McCarley. Lisa has been working as a probate and conservatorship attorney in Los Angeles for over 25 years in the same court system that Brittany was ultimately conserved in. We talk to Lisa a lot. Her years of experience make her the perfect person to call when we've got questions about legal terminology or probate law in general. Lisa is also an advocate for reform in the court system. In fact, you may remember we heard from Lisa back in episode one when I spoke with her to free Brittany rally. She studied Brittany's case inside and out and is horrified by it. And Lisa knows how 5150 holds normally get called in because in her work as an attorney, she's represented clients in these holds herself. I get calls for people being 5150 and um, this is because they're in a grocery store like smacking the crap out of the teller. They are in the act of either expressing that they want to kill themselves um, or harm themselves, throw themselves off the ledge. And the police officers or the teams are supposed to be witnessing that. It's 4 a.m. and the package arrives at UCLA Medical in an ambulance. As you can hear, police and helicopters have followed the ambulance to the hospital. Once it pulls in, the paparazzi chase after it, banging on the doors and flashing their cameras into the windows. Brittany is admitted. She'll be held here for at least 72 hours. Lynn and Jamie arrive at the hospital. So does Lutfi. According to Lynn's book, the situation is immediately tense. The doctors will not allow Brittany's parents into her room. Only Lutfi. When Lynn and Jamie finally do get in to see Brittany, Lutfi is sitting there, on Brittany's bed, laughing. Eventually, Lutfi leaves to go get some In-N-Out burger for Brittany. The paps surround him. They seem to be relying on Lutfi for answers as to what's going on inside the hospital. Uh, it's stuck in there, Sam? This is scary? No. Hey, Sam. What does she want? Oh, uh, come on, guys. Give me a minute. When Lutfi gets back with the bag from In-N-Out, the doctor has decided Lutfi's no longer allowed in Brittany's room. Neither are Brittany's parents. Everyone is on edge. With his daughter confined to the hospital, Jamie sees an opening. The very next day, Jamie goes to court with his lawyers. They file a petition indicating that Brittany has dementia. They don't include any medical proof for this claim, but they say that information is forthcoming. The petition is successful. Jamie Spears is appointed Britney's temporary conservator. This puts him in charge of all of Britney's life and legal decisions. According to The New Yorker, a Spears family friend was with Jamie that day in court. She heard him bellow afterwards, I am Britney Spears. And his first order of business as Britney Spears? Get a restraining order against Sam Lutfi. In order to issue the restraining order, the court relies on a statement from Lynn that details some pretty horrific behavior from Lutfi, including that he cut Britney's phone lines and attempted to drug her without her knowledge. 
Lutfi later refutes these allegations in a defamation suit. He also gets four people to say under oath that these claims are untrue. But if Lutfi was committing any of these illegal acts, why didn't Britney's parents ever call the authorities on him? The only police who showed up to the summit that week were there for Britney, not the guy who was allegedly drugging her. And even if Lynn's claims about Lutfi are true, is conserving Britney really the appropriate way to get rid of him? Lisa McCarley doesn't think so. It is not about, he's got control of our daughter and, um, you know, he's making all the decisions for her and telling her what to do. All right. There might have been some legitimately wrong things going on. You deal with the bad guy or you find a way to deal with the problem. You don't go, oh, well, because you're subjected to undue influence about Sam Lefty, we're just going to take your constitutional rights and throw them in the garbage with yesterday's pizza bones. You know what pizza bones are, (laughs) right? Pizza bones, a.k.a. pizza crusts. Lisa may be joking around here, but she's totally serious when it comes to constitutional rights. Being in a conservatorship severely limits your civil liberties. Remember. One of the first things we learned about conservatorships is that you cease to be a person in the eyes of the law. Also, just because someone is in the hospital on an involuntary hold doesn't mean it's necessary for a family member to go to court and conserve them. The very nature of a 5150 hold means that the patient is in the care of a doctor. So it's weird to us that Jamie went to the court right away seeking full legal control of his daughter and her money, when nothing in the law says he should. And here's the thing. Jamie was able to get that initial temporary conservatorship by claiming there was an emergency, and he needed it right away. To be honest, in these circumstances, there's no authority for having a conservator appointed on the same day that the petition is filed. No authority. As you'll hear, Lisa says this a lot. It doesn't mean what she's talking about is outright illegal, more just that there's nothing in the law saying you should operate in this way. In this case, she's saying that the law does not dictate a conservator be appointed right when a conservatorship is asked for. And, according to Lisa, it's only in urgent medical situations that these kinds of emergency hearings should be called. In the kinds of cases where I've gone in and done things like that. I mean, people are in comas because they've had strokes. All right. Nobody's sitting in a UCLA hospital um, eating in and out burgers. We talked to a judge about this too. You'll hear from her in our next episode. And she said that this kind of emergency conservatorship, the kind that Jamie sought out, is usually reserved for cases where someone is, say, in a coma and they haven't expressed their medical wishes to the hospital. Nothing in any of the documentation we've reviewed implied Brittany was in or close to this kind of vegetative state. On Friday, Jamie gets granted a temporary conservatorship over Brittany. It's only good for four days. By Monday, Jamie's team of lawyers has to prove that Brittany needs this conservatorship, or they won't be able to extend it. So they get to work. One of the most important things they'll need is something called a capacity declaration. This is a form a doctor fills out. It literally has check boxes next to statements like, the proposed conservatee can recognize faces and objects. The proposed conservatee is aware of the date. 
It's the document that allows someone to conserve someone else. According to court records, Jamie's lawyers start frantically calling a former psychiatrist of Brittany's, trying to get him to give a capacity declaration. They spend all weekend calling and paging the psychiatrist. It doesn't work. On Sunday evening, the psychiatrist leaves a final message for Jamie's lawyers. He's been instructed by his attorney not to speak with them. And what's going on with Brittany in her hospital room while all of this is happening? She's doing what I know I would be doing, trying to get an attorney to help her out of this mess. Brittany's divorce lawyers put her in touch with a lawyer named Adam Streisand. And yeah, Streisand is second cousins with that other Babs. The less cool Babs, TBH. Obviously. More importantly, Adam Streisand is this high-powered attorney, and Brittany wants to hire him. Streisand declined our request for an interview, though we know from others he's given that over this chaotic weekend in 2008, he and Brittany talk on the phone multiple times. But court records show that when Streisand tries to see Brittany in person at the hospital, Jamie's team won't allow it. Streisand accuses them over email of a hostile takeover of Brittany, his client. The reason Streisand isn't allowed to visit Brittany is that the court has already chosen a lawyer for her, Sam Ingham. In fact, Ingham was assigned to be Brittany's attorney immediately, the same day Jamie got that emergency conservatorship. Brittany suddenly has a lawyer that she's never even talked to. The hearing to extend the emergency conservatorship takes place on Monday. It's at the Stanley Mosque Courthouse, home to future Free Britney rallies. In the downtown courtroom, seven people gather to argue over Britney's fate. And none of those people are Britney. It's unclear whether she even knows it's happening. Britney should have received notice of this hearing five days before it happened. It's a right all conserved people are entitled to. So five days is what is prescribed by law. And that petition and a notice of hearing has to be personally served on the conservative. The only exception to this is if a person is facing immediate and substantial harm. Lisa says an example of this would be someone needing to go into surgery right away. Otherwise, notice should be served. And that's part of the due process so that they know or if they're able to respond, that gives them a couple of days to respond. So that is what is normal and customary. It's normal and customary to the point that it's actually in the Constitution. Being notified of this hearing is a part of Brittany's Fifth Amendment right to due process. But no one has told Brittany about the hearing taking place on this Monday afternoon. Why? Because Jamie's lawyers tell the court that it could jeopardize her care. And if they do notify her, Lutfi could find out about it. And they don't want him interfering with things. So, the judge waives Brittany's right to be notified. During the hearing, Brittany is trapped in a hospital room on the other side of the city. But she does have someone there on her behalf, Adam Streisand. On Monday, Mr. Streisand shows up and says, I've spoken to Brittany Spears. I've been asked to represent her. Okay, so... Even though Streisand walks into that courtroom, tells the judge he's spoken personally with Brittany and that she wants Streisand to represent her, the judge refuses to recognize Streisand as Brittany's attorney. The judge decides that Brittany does not have the mental capacity to hire her own attorney. 
The judge makes that ruling based, in part, on a report given to her by Ingham. But how is it okay for the guy who stands to lose a job if Streisand gets hired to be the one advising the court on whether Streisand gets hired? We find the fact that a judge wouldn't let Brittany hire her own attorney. I don't know if this is a legal term, but... Abso-fucking-lutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, OJ tried to flee to Mexico in a Ford Bronco, and he still got to hire Johnny Cochran. And OJ's never given us a bop like work, bitch. Ugh, never a bop at all, to be frank. Ingham's assessment of Brittany occurred the day before, when he visited her at the hospital for a reported 15 minutes. In Lisa's view, Ingham opining as to Brittany's mental capacity is another no-authority situation. Not illegal or uncommon, but also not specifically called for by the law. This is not the job of a court-appointed attorney. We trust Lisa on this stuff. Remember, she has been a court-appointed attorney in conservatorship cases. We checked California Probate Code 4.1271, thank you very much, and it says these attorney's reports are supposed to include information about the attorney themselves, that they're active members of the bar, how much they plan to bill. There's no mention of offering opinions on the capacity of their client. But nevertheless, the judge clearly values Ingham's opinion because he gets to stay. Adam Streisand, Brittany's attorney of choice, is booted from the courtroom. Justice for Britney Spears died the day that Adam Streisand was told to leave the courtroom. After Streisand's been ejected, a court order is issued. It states that if Britney seeks out her own attorney again, she's going to have to go through someone else first. The court order says she can't see another attorney without the permission of her father, the conservator. So in other words, if Brittany wants, for example, to talk to someone about how to get out of the conservatorship, she has to go through the conservator, the person she's trying to be emancipated from. Another important thing happens at this hearing, or we should say, doesn't happen. The capacity declaration, the one that Jamie's team was frantically trying to get all weekend, the one that is necessary to conserve someone, they don't have one at this hearing. They have managed to get a doctor at UCLA to issue some kind of statement. Due to confidentiality laws, we don't know exactly what that statement is. But it's not an official capacity declaration. Jamie's lawyers say they'll get one within the next two weeks. But they don't. And in fact... It seems as though they never do. That's right. Legal notes posted to Brittany's case in April 2021 said that a capacity declaration has never been filed. So these last 13 years, Brittany has remained under control of her father, had her rights taken away, all without the document filed by a doctor saying she needs a conservatorship. That's like being convicted of a crime based on your DNA when they haven't even taken a sample of your DNA. Still, even without proper medical documentation, on Monday, February 4th, 2008, Jamie Spears leaves that courtroom solidified as Britney's conservator. The tug of war is over. The villain has been vanquished. Lutfi, we should mention, 
has been vocally opposed to the conservatorship since it started. Here he is around 2010, talking to a reporter from TMZ about the limits on Britney's freedom. Maybe you should ask her that. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of cool if you guys were able to talk to her. Wouldn't that be cool? No, that'd be great. If she that'd was able great. to talk, 27-year-old, can't really speak, well, her doesn't father- have a cell phone, can't see her friends. Well, ah, don't you think? 27-year-old, touring the whole world. Yeah. No? The Spears family still has a restraining order against Sam Lutfi to this day. And we can't not share this detail about it. The order specifically states that Lutfi cannot refer to Britney's family or team as a, quote, clan of hillbilly criminals. I think that's a reality show from 2005, right? Oh my God, my favorite. Right after Duck Dynasty. Exactly. The conservatorship may have helped drive Lutfi out of Britney's life, but it was an extreme measure to place Britney in such a permanent arrangement. And according to one doctor we'll talk to, if Britney's parents really wanted to help her, if she had a mental health issue that needed addressing, they could have taken a different approach. And if they had, maybe Britney would be freed today. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's disinfecting wipes conveniently tackle surfaces, including remotes, tablets, and smartphones, killing 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. (sighs) Don't just clean. Lysol clean. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw. I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. This is about Britney Spears. Are you a Britney Spears fan? I was a big NSYNC fan. I will admit that. This is Dr. Imani Walker. So I think I was probably more like boy band oriented than like Britney oriented. Totally. Fair enough. We won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Imani is a mental health professional who has placed hundreds of her patients on 5150s when circumstances necessitated it. She's also recommended conservatorships for hundreds of patients. And that's why we wanted to talk to her. I am a psychiatrist, and I'm also chief medical officer of Gateways Hospital and Mental Health Center here in Los Angeles. As we've said, we don't want to speculate on any mental health issues Brittany may or may not have. But we did have questions about how mental health ties into conservatorships in general. Talking with Dr. Amani helped us understand yet another element of this conservatorship that doesn't sit right with us. There's a few different types of conservatorship in California. One of those is a probate conservatorship, 
That's generally for older people who are dealing with serious ailments that are not expected to get better. And then there's a Lanterman Petra Short, or LPS, conservatorship. These are initiated by a doctor due to concerns about someone's mental health. When Dr. Amani found out which type of conservatorship Brittany is in, she was surprised. I had actually assumed all this time that she was under LPS conservatorship. So it actually wasn't until I did a little bit of digging and I was like, oh, she's on a probate conservatorship. One of the biggest differences between the two is that probate conservatorships have much more to do with money than LPS conservatorships. Probate conservatorships, like the one Brittany is in, are dealt with in the probate court, the same place people go when there's a dispute over a dead person's estate. So I was kind of confused because I was like, well, she could have, they could have just granted her an, an LPS conservatorship, which would have renewed once a year. Um, because the, the expectation is we're trying to have the person conserved and have a conservator to help them get better. The thinking is we're trying to get this person stable and beyond stable. So we want to get them to a place where they can take care of themselves. So LPS conservatorships are renewed every year, once a year. But with a probate conservatorship, that's lifetime. If in 2008, Brittany was going through some mental health issue, and the goal was to help her get better, why not place her in a mental health conservatorship? We asked Dr. Amani her thoughts. I don't know these people at all, but I am a parent, and I'm guessing that potentially her dad wanted to make sure that he had control of her money, either for nefarious reasons or because he was just really concerned about his daughter. Like, oh my God, you're, you you have a history of being sick and having mood swings and maybe not making the best financial decisions. And he wanted to make sure that at least maybe, uh, you know, himself, a family member would be able to have more control and say so over where her money goes. So whose idea was this conservatorship anyway? Well, what we know about that comes largely from court documents and from Lynn Spears' book. So uh, it was the spring of 2007, and um, I got a call from my then agent. He said, hey, Laura Lee, how would you like to write a book with Britney Spears' mom? This, again, is Laura Lee Craker, co-author of Through the Storm. The first thing that happened was I was flown to Nashville to meet with Lou and Lynn uh, at Lou's office. And um, yeah, Lynn and I hit it off. I would say, within seconds. She was just a kindred spirit. That Lou woman Laura Lee is talking about is Lou Taylor. She's an important player in this story. But before we get into all that, we want to give you a little background on Lynn's book. Laura Lee and Lynn began writing Through the Storm in 2007, around the same time that Brittany met Sam Lutfi. The book was published in late 2008. So Laura Lee was actively working on it at the same time the conservatorship was being put in place. Laura Lee spent hours on the phone with Lynn, listening to old stories about Brittany's childhood. A few times, Laura Lee even flew out to Louisiana to stay with Lynn at the home Brittany bought for her mom shortly after making it big, a sprawling estate in Kentwood they named Serenity. You drive up and there's these giant gates and it says Serenity. And then the gates suddenly open and, uh, you know, you're admitted, like, into the inner sanctum of heaven or something. Sounds like a home fit for a mother of Godney. 
Laura Lee remembered one trip to Serenity that was especially exciting. Lynn runs out of the house. She's like, there's a snake in the pool and Lou's here. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) We literally were clinging to a tree while um, little Lynn, who is so tiny, was getting the snake like with a, like a hoe or something she had, she's like (laughs) lifting the snake out of the pool. And then she's, she hacked it to pieces right there in front of us. Wow. We've heard a lot of stories while making this podcast, but Lynn Spears chopping up a giant snake. I did not see that one coming. So, okay. There's a snake in the pool and Lou is here. Lou Taylor. Back to her. Lou Taylor is the person who found Laura Lee and brought her on as co-writer of Lynn's book. Lou also ultimately became a very important figure in Britney's career and Britney's finances. Even though, from what we can tell, Britney has never wanted Lou to be involved. Lou Taylor founded a business management company called TriStar Sport and Entertainment. A business manager is something most celebrities have. They handle taxes, investments, and payroll. In 2010, TriStar became the business manager for Britney's estate under the conservatorship. We're going to be going in deep on what's going on with Britney's money in a later episode. But for now, you just need to know that in 2007 and early 2008, Lou Taylor wasn't working for Britney yet. But she was working as business manager for members of Britney's family. Lou Taylor is the business manager for Britney Spears' father, mother, and younger sister, Jamie Lynn. Lou, good morning to you. Good morning, Meredith. Thanks for having me this morning. Thanks for joining us. Brittany's parents have not This is Lou Taylor being introduced by Meredith Vieira on the Today Show as the, quote, Spears family spokesperson in early January 2008. She's there to comment on Brittany's first hospitalization. Well, we thought it was important for people to just have a voice for Jamie or to hear a voice for Jamie and Lynn Spears. So really for, I guess, for me to be self-indulgent for a moment, that I would really hope that all those who seek God for strength in their life would be interceding for this family because Jamie Spears, Lynn Spears, Brian, and Jamie Lynn Spears are all amazing. Lou Taylor is hard to pin down. She declined our request for an interview. We also contacted a few past employees of TriStar to ask about their work experience. Within hours of messaging, we got cease and desist letters from TriStar's lawyers. Laura Lee is one of the only people we've talked to who's actually interacted with Lou Taylor and was willing to speak with us about it. What were your, I guess, impressions of Lou, like, in her relationship with Lynn? Well, um, you know, I think that, uh, that Lynn... Let's put it this way. Lynn and I were sort of the same kind of person. We we are more sensitive, more um, worried about people's feelings, that kind of thing. And Lou is incredibly uh, strong and alpha. She was she was not displeased that someone had said she was like the boss in the Devil Wears Prada. Uh, she kind of thought that was funny. A big reason we're interested in knowing more about Lou is because court documents indicate she played a part in planning Britney's conservatorship years before officially getting involved in Britney's money. Well, in the book, uh, it states that it was 
I've been basically Jamie and Lou, you know, with Lynn's consent, I think that they were, they were plotting this. They were trying to figure out how to, um, how to free Brittany. That's right. This conservatorship was planned as a means to free Brittany. From Sam Lutfi. Lynn's book mentions that, quote, quiet plans were underway for the conservatorship six weeks before it was implemented. According to Through the Storm, Jamie was even trying to get the conservatorship earlier, but, quote, he and his business manager, Lou, felt God leading them to wait. Why were Jamie and Lou praying about a conservatorship? Is it possible that they had started with the idea of a conservatorship and then brainstormed ways they could bring it to fruition? One thing that I find very interesting is um, I didn't know anything about a conservatorship, so I had to look that up. And when I was writing about it, I was told to go back and add the word temporary every single time. So, yeah, it was supposed to be a temporary conservatorship. Who was telling you to add the word temporary? Let's just say it was I was being told. I was given direction. So Laura Lee was told, by whom she doesn't want to say, to make sure that Lynn's book said the conservatorship was only ever supposed to be temporary. But if the plan was just to deal with an emergency and get Brittany out of the clutches of Sam Lutfi, why is the conservatorship still in place 13 years later? When we emailed Lou to ask for an interview, we got a response from her lawyer. It was a four-page letter. Here's a small section. Quote, First, one of the many false rumors circulating on the internet is that TriStar, or Lou Taylor, was part of the decision to create the conservatorship in the first place. TriStar, including Lou Taylor, had no role in the creation of the conservatorship. It goes on to say, though, that, quote, TriStar representatives were party to certain conversations relating to a possible conservatorship. Okay, to us, this feels like a pretty narrow distinction. Being involved in conversations about a possible conservatorship sounds quite similar to playing a role in creating said conservatorship. Laura Lee says that she no longer believes Brittany should be in a conservatorship, but she thinks she understands why Brittany's parents sought one out in the first place. I honestly think... They didn't know what else to do. They wanted to get their daughter away from Sam. And desperate times, you know, what they say about desperate times. And I felt that it was a a very extremely desperate time. And this was one option that they had. I mean, I don't know how many other options they really had. This story, the one about a father swooping in to save his daughter, this is the story we've always gotten about the conservatorship and one a lot of us bought into for a long time. That it was necessary. That Jamie was some kind of a hero. But remember, by many accounts, Brittany has long had a strained relationship with her father. We know from Lynn's book that Jamie was a pretty unstable force in Brittany's childhood. He struggled with alcoholism and wasn't really around. And also, he wasn't on good terms with Brittany in the time leading up to her conservatorship. Brittany didn't even feel comfortable with Jamie at her house. 
there's one more thing that sticks out to us as very odd about the week Brittany was conserved. During that weekend full of activity, where Jamie's lawyers were trying to get the capacity declaration, and Adam Streisand was trying to help Brittany, and Brittany was stuck in the hospital, Jamie Spears, the brand new conservator, somehow found time for this. Fox Sports presents Super Bowl 42. That Sunday, Jamie took a job catering a Super Bowl party. We know this from documents he filed to the court. And the account he gives is pretty surprising. We've dramatized the events of that day with actors based on Jamie's court statement. To be clear, the quotes that we're using here are directly from Jamie. It's a couple hours before kickoff and Jamie works the grill. His phone rings. It's Brittany. Daddy, what are you doing? I'm cooking. What are you doing cooking, Daddy? Why are you not here with me? Baby, Daddy's got to work. Brittany calls again. Hurry up and get here. Why? Because you got to get me out of here. After a couple hours, Jamie finishes up work and heads for the hospital. He finds Brittany lying down on her bed. He leans over to kiss her. She turns her head away. I love you. No, you don't. Brittany gets up. The doctor told me that you're keeping me in here. No, I'm not keeping you in here. Someone's lying. Like we said, this whole account is just odd. Look, if Jamie had this gig booked already and needed to work it, I guess I could see that. If he hadn't just gone out of his way to legally be the one overseeing Britney, if he hadn't allegedly declared, I am Britney Spears, a couple days prior. Another thing that sticks out to us about Jamie's statement is how confused Britney seems to be. It doesn't appear as though anyone is giving her the straight story about what's going on or why she's been hospitalized. We may never know exactly why Britney landed in the hospital that night in January 2008. Who called in that 5150? Was it Lutfi or someone else? But we know enough about what transpired that week to confidently say that Brittany has been the victim of a huge injustice. Here's why. Brittany should have been able to choose her own lawyer. She should have been given notice the conservatorship hearing was happening in the first place. Jamie's lawyers should have presented a capacity declaration from a doctor, which they promised they would back in 2008, and still haven't. And if, at 26 years old, Brittany's mental health necessitated a conservatorship, she should have been entered into the kind that's designed to help people get better. But what should have happened? Didn't. And just over a month after a judge decided Brittany didn't have the capacity to make her own decisions, she was doing this. My mom was wrong. There are nice guys in New York. <laughs> we just have to go by my hotel room first. My bed was broken. I just have to make sure they fixed it. This is Brittany on How I Met Your Mother in a scene with Neil Patrick Harris. She's in two episodes, and she totally steals the show. She's really funny. Her timing is spot on. You would never guess she filmed it just six weeks after being hospitalized for an allegedly life-threatening mental health situation. Then if it's fixed, can we have sex on it and then go shopping? 
A couple months after this aired, Britney recorded her new album, Circus. Then she toured the album. Circus was in the top five grossing tours of 2009. Then Britney was a judge on The X Factor, a music competition show. She was the highest paid reality judge ever. She also performed hundreds of times on the Las Vegas Strip as part of a four-year concert residency. And yes, she was the highest paid Vegas performer of all time. Yet, during all of this, since that Monday hearing in February 2008, Britney's conservators have had immense power over her life. They can choose who her security guards are and keep them there around the clock. The conservators are legally entitled to limit her visitors. They can make medical decisions on her behalf. They can enter her into contracts for things like performing, recording, tours, music videos, TV shows. But when it's payday for these projects, it's not Brittany cashing the checks. She can't even legally endorse a check or open a bank account. And all of this is happening in plain sight and before the eyes of the court. How has this been allowed to persist? Next time on Toxic, we're zooming out to look into the complicated, far-reaching legal system that Britney's case is a part of. Because while our interest in conservatorships started with Britney, it turns out her story is just one of many. What the public doesn't understand is conservatorship is a profit center for members of the California bar. It's a profit center, plain and simple. And we just want to shout out to our incredible production team at Witness Docs that made this show possible. Thank you to our one and only senior producer, Abigail Keel, our incredible producer, Kevin Kated Tidmarsh, our ineffable our story editor Gianna Palmer. I don't have You're going to run out of adjectives. <laughs> our wondrous executive producer Camille Stanley and our singular head of content Peter Clowney. Casey Halford is the technical director for Witness Docs and he rocks. He mixed this episode and composed the Boppin original music for Toxic. Zoe Schwab is the best researcher ever and she's been along for the ride with us the entire time. Our fact-checker is the incredible Anakwa Dwamana. Special thanks to actors Susan Burke and Matt Peters for voicing Brittany and Jamie Spears. Toxic is written and hosted by me, Babs Gray. And me, Tess Barker. You can find transcripts of all our episodes at our website, witnesspodcasts.com. Got a tip for us? Or just want to say hi? Reach out to the show at britneypod at stitcher.com. Or follow us on social on Twitter and Instagram, at Britneysgram. If you like the show and want to support us, tell a friend about us. Or better yet, send them a link to the first episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to pods. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 